We're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter number six this morning. Ecclesiastes and chapter number six. Ecclesiastes in chapter number six. And then when you find that, if you're well able to stand, stand with us for the reading of the word of God in honor of his word. If you're not well able to stand, God understands all about that. He does. Ecclesiastes and chapter number six. We'll begin our reading in verse number one. The Bible says there is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. If a man beget an hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. For he cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he hath not seen the sun nor known anything. This hath more rest than the other. Yea, though he live a thousand years twice told, yet hath he seen no good, do not all go to one place? All the labor of a man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. For what hath the wise more than the fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. That which hath been is named already, and it is known that it is man. Neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. Seeing there be many things that increase vanity, what is a man the better? For who knoweth what good is for man in this life? All the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? I've titled the message this morning, Whoever Said Life is Fair. Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. We'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and thank you for the Bible. Thank you that all those years ago you had men pin these things down so that we could glean from it, learn from it, that it would help us to continue on in the life that we're living today. And Father, we pray you'd take this message and use it this morning in the lives of people. We do ask if there's someone sitting in this place today that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that you would speak to their heart clearly about that. That's the greatest need that we have in this life, knowing for sure that we have it settled, that uh, your precious Son is our Savior. Help us, Lord. Give us clarity of thought and speech, boldness of the Holy Spirit, and the ability to preach this message the way that you would have it done. We're trusting you for these things, and we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Someone has written this. It's true that every job applicant should be judged strictly on merit, regardless of family background or connections. It's true that in an ideal world, we'd all endure the same level of suffering, trauma, and loss. It's true that if life was completely fair, we'd all be born into families with the same level of opportunity and wealth. But we don't live in a fair world and we never will. You're never going to be playing the game of life on a level playing field. And that's just as true as it can be. You know, sometimes victories go to the undeserving. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes people suffer tragedies without even ever knowing why they go through such things. Sometimes there are people who deserve the best, but they don't get it. We should have figured it out really by now that life is not always fair. It's just not always fair. This is what Solomon noted. It was, that's what aggravates me about these uh, health wealth gospel preachers that say, boy, if you'll just give money to me, everything's going to be so good in your life. They're a bunch of liars. No, I don't mind. I'd say it again. They're a bunch of liars. No, no, no. Life is not fair and things don't always go well. It's just a fact of the matter. It's just where we are in this world today. He describes, Solomon describes the unfairness of life as an evil common among men, is what he said. It's not a rarity for things in this life to be unjust. There are a lot of people that face unfair situations and really very serious burdens they never thought that they would face. Difficult situations arise despite people's best efforts to avoid them. And Solomon gives three examples of life's unfairness in this chapter. <clears throat> Excuse me, he tells of three people who obtained uh, one of the deep desires of their heart, but then received no pleasure from it. So each got what they wanted, but they did not get to enjoy it. They thought it should have made life satisfying if they just had that, but it didn't. And then in the closing verses, we'll get to, Solomon gives two pieces, two really good pieces of advice for handling life's unfairness. And so he begins by talking about the injustices of life in, in verses 1 through 8. The resources of this world are for meeting, uh, is for meeting the needs of God's creation. God created the world in such a way that the resources of this world would meet his needs. Back in chapter 5 and verse number 9, we looked at it. It says, the profit of the earth is for all. The profit of the earth is for all. We are to live according to what God has given us. And riches may be granted, excuse me, uh, but their pleasure is denied. Verse number 2 here where we are. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul, for all that he desireth, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. So the desires that were achieved here, what he says, are riches and wealth 
and honor. Or we can think about fame or possessions or, or money to burn. So, so we think about riches. He has a good income, a steady income, uh, incoming flow of cash. And he has wealth. I mean, accumulated riches. I mean, money in the bank, a substantial retirement fund, if you will. Enough money that's stored up to make a person set for life. And then he talks about honor. And that same word is translated glory throughout the whole New Testament. So honor refers to visible splendor or to be held in high esteem. So this person that he, that he notes has riches and wealth and honor. Man, what could anybody more ask for than all of that? But uh, the fulfillment was lost. No, he says there, this man had one of nothing, is what it says. So he had everything that his soul desired and the enjoyment of it. Then a stranger eateth it. What does that mean? Something unexpected. A stranger. Some circumstances. Uh, some some life-altering event occurs that that unexpectedly consumes his wealth and robs him of the pleasure that it was meant to give him. Like what, preacher? Well, an incapacitating disease or maybe a natural disaster such as a tornado that just wipes out their home and their business or maybe an accident that results in the death of a loved one, a family member, some such as that. I mean, something came up that was very unexpected. And that's the way life is, isn't it? Come on, we can think that everything's finally going our way, that everything's really going good. Man, the road is looking smooth right now until a bridge washes out, until something goes wrong. No, 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 it can happen like that, can it? I mean, overnight, things change. Overnight, things are made different. It can happen along the way. And then he talks about how this man uh, talks about a, a big family, but no love. Uh, verse number four, for he cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he hath not seen the sun nor known anything. This hath more rest uh, than the other. Um, so the desire was achieved. He had this, this big family, uh, a large family. Uh, but, um, and, and back, we have to understand that back during this time in the Jewish culture, a large family was valued as a sign of divine blessing, uh, a cause for joy. And Psalm 127 verse four and five says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so children of the youth, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Genesis twenty nine thirty four. now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. And Solomon uses, really uses uh, hyperbole, hyperbole here. Um, let me see here. Where, where am I going here? Is this so busy? Time to come to cover more of this. Excuse me. Just, just. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I need to back up here. This man. Oh, yeah. Verse number three. If a man beget an hundred children.
Yeah. That makes all the nursery workers cringe right there. How many kids they got? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I lost my place. I'm sorry. So anyway, Simon uses some, uh, uh, Simon, Solomon, Solomon, I'll get it together here in just a second. <laughs> Solomon uses hyperbole here, uh, an, an expression of extreme exaggeration. Come on, a hundred children, a hundred children. But he does that to make a point. Um, here was one who in terms of his family would be considered by his neighbors as a man greatly blessed of God. Oh, Joe Blow over there, man, he's got a hundred kids. He is very, very blessed. But fulfillment was lost. Uh, I'm going to read again verse number three. If a man beget an hundred children and live many years, so that the days of his life be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. The days of his years be many. And the emphasis on the word, uh, we have to notice the emphasis on the word days and not years. So here's, here's what, here's, Solomon is not, please get this, Solomon is not noting that this man had a life of many years, uh, a long and presumably, uh, presumably happy life. What is being said here is that this man lived years in a day. That every day seemed like a lifetime. Oh, come on, have you, ever been in the midst, have you ever been in the middle of tragedy and every day just seemed to drag on? Have you, ever, have you ever been in such a situation that when you wake up in the morning, you already wish it was night so you could go back to bed? I mean, throughout the day, it seems like the day just drags on and on and on because of whatever tragedy might be happening in your life or whatever might be going on in your life during that time. And this is kind of what he's alluding to in all of this. He, he, he means that the man passed his years counting the days like a, like a prisoner waiting for the day of his release or a castaway counting the days of his isolation at that time. For this man, life was unsatisfying. And it seemed like the end would never come. Things just weren't good. His soul is not filled with good. He gets no pleasure. He gets no enjoyment uh, from life whatsoever. Come on, maybe maybe those hundred children, maybe those hundred children were all daughters, and he was thinking about the cost of all the weddings. That yeah. <laughs> keep you worried up at night. I guarantee you, that's right. But it says he received no burial. No one showed up for his funeral. Had a hundred children, none of his children mourned his death. No one cared that he lived or that he died. And although we're not told why, it is clear the man received no love from his family. I mean, when the, when the end of his life finally came, he was not mourned by his children. And perhaps all of them, I mean, we don't know, perhaps all of them died before him in one tragic circumstance after another. Or, or perhaps he was unloving. And so he returned no, uh, he, he, he received no love in return. Or perhaps he was busy, so busy trying to pay the bills that he never, he was never around to build a good relationship with his family. 
Whatever the cause, whatever the cause, the man had a house full of children that would be the envy of everyone back during that time. Yet life, it still didn't turn out as somebody might expect it to turn out. And then Solomon laments here that an untimely birth is better than the long and unfulfilled life of this man. What does that mean? Well, when it speaks of an untimely birth here, it's talking about a premature birth. And back in Solomon's day, that meant the child died because they didn't have care to take care of premature children the way that we do today. And so the short life, get this now, the short life of that tiny child is soon forgotten. His name, what says here, covered in darkness. But he, he goes on, the stillborn child never sees the sun, nor experiences any of the painful events that might occur beneath its glare. He is said to have more rest because he never had to endure the struggles of the living And it talks about a, a long life, but no happiness. Verse number six, yea, though he live a thousand years twice told, yet hath he seen no good. Do not all go in one place. So the desire is achieved a long life. A thousand years twice told, is what it says. But the fulfillment is lost, has seen no good. Solomon takes the previous illustration and carries it further. Suppose this man lives so long that it's like he had two lifetimes. His, his life story twice told. Yet, no, 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 get this. Yet he does not live long enough to outlive his troubles. The man faces life the best that he can. I mean, maybe thinking one day, boy, things just have to get better. They have to get better. And yet his circumstances never change. He sees no good. It's what the Bible says there. So for a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years of life, it was uh, go to work to eat, then eat to live, and live to work, and then the grave. You've probably heard it said before, seen it somewhere before, life is hard, and then you die. Solomon seems to say here, what's the point? No, really, I mean, that's what, it's really, that's what he's getting. It's like, what's the point? Why live at all if life can be so unfair? Oh, come on again. I know this is far removed from the health and wealth gospel. 
But I'm here to tell you this morning, this is life where we have to live it. There's going to be uh, disappointments. There's going to be heartaches. There's going to be heartbreaks. There's going to be things that don't turn out the way that you hoped that they would turn out. That is life. It's life. It's the way that life is. Absolutely so. We attain our desires. No, no, listen. We attain our desires thinking that that's going to bring enjoyment, that that's going to bring fulfillment, but that may not always be the case. We get the job that we were really looking for, but it does not fulfill. Things happen in our life. We, we obtain something that we thought, man, that is really going to fulfill my life, but it doesn't. Someone told of a young man who prayed, Lord, if I could just marry that woman, I'd be the happiest man on earth. And he ended up marrying her, and a few years later he was praying, Lord, if I could just get rid of this woman, I'd be the happiest man on earth. I didn't say that, honey. I'm not the one that is not. <laughs> Life doesn't always turn out the way we expect it to. Or even the way that we know it should. Sometimes life just is not fair. It's just not fair. It's part of living on this ball of dirt we live on. Life is not always fair. It's just not. So Solomon gives us some counsel here, beginning in verse number 9. It says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. So get this. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the desire. What does that mean? Be content with such things you have. Okay, we say it this way. Come to grips with reality. Uh, Okay. Um, Don't waste your time dreaming about what you'd do if you had a million dollars or a different family or a few more years of life. No, 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 friend. Be grateful for the blessing of God as you receive them. It's much better to enjoy the life that you have than to dream about the life you may never have. That's going to keep you wanting all the time. Since life is uncertain, I mean, as demonstrated by there's three examples that Solomon did give us. We need to learn to take pleasure in what we have because we are not guaranteed that we will get more or that we'll even be able to always enjoy what we do have. Yes, have ambitions. Absolutely so. But don't let your happiness be decided on whether or not you achieve them. Always chasing something different. Always going after the golden ring. 
content and let God be God. Verse number 10. That which hath been is named already, and it is known that it is man, neither may, uh, neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. So let God be God. Look, God knows who we are. He does. And God knows what we go through in this life. He knows. He's not missing anything. No, 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 no. Have you ever gotten so frustrated you're just thinking, God, what in the world? Are you, are you taking note of what's going on here? Let me tell you, He is. No, He knows. He understands everything that we go through. He understands it. Absolutely so. Why is God putting me through this? Maybe it's not God that's putting you through this. Maybe it's just the circumstances of the world we live in. Well, I heard that preacher say that if I would just, you know, if I would just love Jesus the way that I'm supposed to, that everything's just going to be smooth sailing. Everything's going to be good. That's why you need to quit watching those TV preachers. Because it's, that's not true. It's not true. The life, my life as a Christian for 38 years has been the best life that I could ever hope to live. Absolutely so. I wouldn't want to live any other life. But it's not always been smooth sailing. There's things along the way because of sin, sometimes because of other people's sin, sometimes because of our own sin. There's things along the way that uh, make for bumps in the road. Isn't that right? But we have to understand that even when there are those bumps in the road, God knows exactly where we are, and He knows how to get us through that or past that if we will just depend upon Him, if we just allow God to be God, if, 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 if we're not unreasonable about these different things that we might go through. Uh, <clears throat> Verse number 10 really reminds us that what happens to us has already happened to others. And the name that we give to it was already attached to it by those before us. Okay, let me read it again then. That which hath been is named already. And it is known that it is, and it is known that it is man. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, somebody else has gone through it. Somebody else has faced it. It's happened along the way. And because we are just human, we're, we're human, we really have no power to change the circumstances. Get, listen to me. We have no power to change the circumstances of this world. And what has happened in times past, it's going to happen again. Maybe to you, maybe to me. Maybe to someone we know. But this is not the way, listen, this is not the way it will everlastingly be. For us to know Christ as our Savior, this is not the way it will everlastingly be because God's plan of redemption will ultimately bring about a new heaven and a new earth where the curse of sin will be everlastingly erased. 
we'll not have to deal with these things anymore. We'll not have to face these things anymore. It is going to be a great, great time then. But we are where we are, however, until God's plan is complete. We are where we are. Well, I've tried so hard, and it's. I'm not saying you haven't tried hard. But even with our greatest effort, there are times that things aren't going to turn out the way we hoped they would. Because of the circumstances of this world, it's just the way that it is. We just have to face reality every day of our life. And we have to trust God. Because God is mightier than we are. Oh, come on. The last part of verse number 10 there. Uh, Neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. (laughs) We're merely human. He's God. He is God. We, we may not always understand why things happen. Listen, we may not always understand why things happen, but really it is, it, it, it is pointless to contend or to argue with God. It's pointless. Except, sometimes we just have to accept where the way that things are and, 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 and put it all into God's hand, trusting Him to make the difference because He's the only one that's going to be able to make a difference. Come on, I'm not saying we don't try to better ourselves or, or get through problems, whatever the case may be. If we can, that's fine, but sometimes we're just stuck, aren't we? Come on, sometimes things come up and there's no answer. There's no human answer for it. There's nothing we can do. Well, if I could just do this and I could do that. But you can't. Well, if I just had the power. But you don't. So we have to get to a place in this wicked world that we live in that at times we just have to say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust you through all of this. You're the one that can change things. You're the one that can carry me through. You're the one that can give me strength. You're the one that can give me grace. You're the one that can give me uh, direction in what I need to do. Lord, I'm dependent upon you because I know if I try to put my hands to it, I'll just make a bigger mess of it. Sometimes it's like that, isn't it? And we have to face reality, ladies and gentlemen. It's very important that we do. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that I don't even want anything more to do with life because life is so unfair. It is. But don't give up on God. He is able. We have to trust Him in times such as that. It's so important. We have to learn to trust God's wisdom and believe His goodness and accept His decisions. Because He knows what's going on. And He knows what is good for man. He does. Uh, First part of verse number 12. For he, uh, for who knoweth what is good for man in this life? Uh, God does. We, you and you and I, will never be able to explain the uncertainty and the unfairness of life to our complete satisfaction. 
we'll never be able to explain it. Why did this happen to me? Sometimes we don't know. Why are they like that? We might never know. We must accept God's right to choose not only what is good for us, but also what is best for man as a whole. Preacher, I just don't understand the way that God works. I don't always understand the way He works either. But I know I can trust Him. I know everything I've ever laid in His hands, He's never failed me. He's never let me down. He's always helped me through circumstances as I've held on to Him, as I've trusted Him more than I've trusted me, as I've trusted Him more than I've trusted others. Come on, it's not always time to, it's not always time, stay with me just a minute, it's not always time to call everybody we know with our problem that's going on in our life if we've not talked to God about it first. I'm not against seeking counsel. I'm not, I'm not against talking to others about things that may be going on in, in our life. I'm not against that whatsoever. But we have to understand that, that, that God is the one that can help us to get through it. And God is the one that can give us answers if He wants to give us answers. And God is the one that can give us the grace to even sleep at night when things like that are going on in our life. It is God that we have to depend upon. It is God that we have to put our trust in. It is God that is all-powerful, almighty. It is God that will see us through things. It's Him. It's Him. Because see, God is working with eternity in view. We can't see that, but He can. He knows what's going on. And whether we like it or not, God often... Whether we like it or not, God often sacrifices present comforts in order to accomplish a greater good. I can only speak for myself in this, in, in this and, 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 and I know my wife would testify, but I'm a hardhead. And in my life as a Christian, God has had to teach me some things the hard way. But if we are willing to learn through whatever we may have to go through, we'll come out the better for it on the other side. But if we want to get mad at God and start shaking our fist at Him and I deserve better than this and why you let me go through this and all those things, we may be stuck in that place for a long, long time. And that's not what God wants. It's not what He wants. He wants us to learn to be content with what is going on, trusting Him. Trusting Him. Come on, we may not always be happy with what's going on. Are you following me here? But we have to learn to be content that God is in control and that He is working even though we can't see it. Those can be hard times. I'm not even standing up here acting like it's always easy. Not even. But they can be fruitful times also if we are listening to God 
And we will allow him to do what only he can do in our hearts and lives during that time. He knows what our future holds. The last part of verse number 12. Um, All the days of his vain life, which, uh, which he spendeth as a shadow, for who can tell a man uh, what shall be after him under the sun? He knows how it's all going to turn out. God does. What am I supposed to do? Sometimes we just have to hold on to God. Come on. Sometimes we just have to hold on to God and keep doing what's right. I've tried to do right, and this is still happening to me. Welcome to life. No, I'm going to say it again. But, but, but you don't understand. I'm coming to church, and, I, and I'm even giving some, and I'm doing this, I'm doing all these things, and still this is going on. This just isn't fair. Right, now you're getting it. Life isn't fair. And everything that happens during this life isn't going to be just full of joy and happiness. But we have to learn to trust God during those times. Even when it's hard. We have to learn to trust God during those times. He knows how it's going to turn out. Come on, you and I have read the last chapter in the Bible, but God's the one who wrote it. We can trust Him. Even when we don't understand everything that's going on. So Solomon is telling us that life is not always fair, making a good point. But, but, but God is always good, and God always does what is right. He always does what is right. And that answer, that answer may not satisfy us, but it's really the only one we get this side of heaven. We must learn to trust in the wisdom and holiness and goodness of God and His plan. His plan. His plan. Every one of us, you young people listen to me, please. Every one of us will face challenges that seem to overwhelm us. I don't know why this is going on. I don't know why this is happening to me. Every one of us will face those challenges somewhere in life. Some people will face them more than others, but every one of us will face that in this life. We'll face such challenges. Yeah. And there's there's even going to be days, there's going to be days when we feel like no matter what we do, we just can't win. No matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, it just doesn't seem to work out right. But I'm here to, no, no, no. We must not let the devil discourage us. We must not let, please listen to me, I'm right at done. We must not let this life get us down when we're trusting God to pull us through. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Times may get hard, but it's never right to turn away from God. There's always, always hope in God. When life is unbearably hard and, and, and we are weak, we have to turn to Him for strength. We survive on His strength. We make it through those times on His strength. Spending time with Him. Asking Him. 
We, 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 we should not try to find the ultimate enjoyment of life under the sun. What do you mean? In this world alone. We must not try to find the ultimate enjoyment of life in this world alone. This world will leave you disappointed. We have to look to God for it. We have to look to God for it because that is where joy and hope and peace can always be found. I said hope and joy and peace can always be found in Him. In Him. Are you still looking for fulfillment in this world alone? Do you truly know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Because if not, He's waiting to save you today. But once we know Him as our personal Savior, it's important that we are putting our trust in our Heavenly Father and not the things of this life. It's vanity and vexation of spirit. It will leave you wanting and God is the one that can fulfill that. Whoever said that life is fair? Not me. No. Nope. We have to realize that life is not always fair, but we have a great God who cares more about us than we can even understand. It's true. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed in, in respect of the Lord and those around us for just a moment. It might be there's someone here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I am saved. I'm not sure I know Christ is my Savior. I'm not sure I have that all settled. And preacher, would you just please remember me in prayer? You're here like that this morning. Would you allow me to pray for you? Just slip, your, slip up your hand wherever you're at and allow me to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I'd sure like to pray for you. Preacher, I'm just not sure I know Christ is my Savior. I'd like, to, I'd, like, I'd like to one day, but I'm not sure that I've got that settled. Anyone here like that this morning, would you just slip your hand up wherever you are? Just allow me to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out right there. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you so much for that. Others? Yeah, me too, preacher, right here. God bless you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Others, anyone else? I, I, again, I, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Right there. Others? Anyone else? I just want to pray for you. I can't get saved for you, but I sure, I sure want to pray for you. Preacher, I'm just not sure that I have that all settled. When you pray for these others, will you pray for me? I sure will. Just slip your hand up. I'll see it. We'll go right on. Would you let me do that? Anyone else before we go? You're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I am going through a struggle. I am going through a trial. There are things happening in my life right now that I have no idea how I'm going to be able to handle this. And, and I just don't understand completely why this has happened or what, the, what is going on. And it's about to overwhelm me, preacher. And I, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to handle this. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and the circumstances of life are piled upon you. 
say, preacher, would you please just pray with me that God will give me grace and guidance, that, God, that I'll depend upon Him, that I will seek His face about all these things going on, that I'll not give up on God, that I'll just keep going doing what God wants me to do. You're here this morning like that. Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? Hold them up high for just a minute. Please do that. God bless your honesty there and there and there. Hold them up high for a minute. And there and there and over there and back there. God bless your heart. Back there in the back. Thank you so much for that. Others, yeah, preacher, that's me. I, I, I've just got things going on. I don't know how I'm ever going to get it figured out. Would you please just pray for me right here? Thank you and there and there. Thank you very much for that. And over here, yes, ma'am, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. You may put your hands down. Back in the back, I see your hand. Thank you. You didn't raise your hand before. You want to raise it now, preacher? I just need prayer. That's what I need. I need prayer that I, I, that I, that I will get in touch with God, that I will trust Him to direct me through the things that's going on in my life right now, right there, back there in the back. I see your hand. You didn't raise your hand before, but you want, need to raise it. I, let me pray for you. Anyone else before we move on? Anyone at all? Just want to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. Father, the most important decision that we'll ever make before we leave this world is that we know that we have made peace with you through your precious Son and what He did for us all those years ago on Calvary's cross. And Lord, I pray for these folks. I pray that you'd convince them and convict them that you'd give them even the boldness to come forward this morning and trust Christ. We would love to show them out of the Bible how they can get that done. Lord, we can't force anybody to do anything. And so we pray that you'd work in their heart and you'd work in their life and you'd help them to come this morning. And then, Lord, you saw all the other hands across this auditorium everywhere, and I have no idea what's going on in people's lives. I don't know what they're facing. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's, what's on their heart right now. But they asked me to pray for them, so I lift them up to you, and I pray that you'd give them grace and strength and comfort and the wherewithal to trust you and to seek your face, and to know that you can work these things out for your good and for your glory if they just hang on and trust you and seek your face. So I pray for them, Lord. Give them grace and then give them more grace. And help them, Lord, to know you better and to see you work in their, in their life as only you can work. We're trusting you for all these things, and we ask them all in Jesus Christ wonderful name. Let's all stand to our feet. The piano's going to play. Some have already come to the altar, but you have a need. Why don't you come this morning? Come on, why don't you come this morning and just bow a knee to God and tell God, I, I can't do this, Lord. I can't do it anymore. I can't do this by myself. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your grace. I'm going to need your strength. Lord, I'm going to need wisdom. I'm going to need guidance. And I just want to yield myself to you, God, because you know what's going on. And you know what my next step needs to be. And you know how to give me what I need so I can hang on and trust you. Why don't you just come to talk to God about those things? Let him have his way in all of this. I'm telling you, just a little talk with the Lord can make a big difference in your life.